0: Okay, everybody, welcome again to Marketing Management Money. And uh, today we are with Ryan, Ryan, and Fiona. So this is actually going to be a pretty interesting episode. We have brought in the Millennial Money Woman, and she's going to be talking. So honestly, uh, we like to think that we have a lot of expertise in what we do. One of the things that we lack in is uh, ownership of a female business. Uh, I don't know Owens, have you, uh, ever? well, I mean, I have my moments, <laughs> but
1: <laughs> most of the time not.
0: Yeah. So neither of us have ever owned a, uh, female business. Uh, but Fiona with the millennial money woman has, so, uh, she actually, uh, she's come to us. She owns the Millennial Money Woman. Uh, she's done quite a bit in financial planning. And basically, as I understand it, Fiona, your whole mission, your whole goal is to work with people at that entre- entrepreneurial level to help them understand how to make and keep their money. You've done a nonprofit centered around this, uh, you've done a business around this. Why don't you tell us a little bit more specifically about what you do, who you are, and kind of some entrepreneurial things? things that uh, you can help our guests with?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me and obviously your audience having me. So thank you for this opportunity. Um, My name is Fiona, like you both said, and I just absolutely love anything that has to do with money or financial matters. Right, so I started, you know, I think as a preteen or early teenager, always fascinated with money. And there were two things I knew, right? I knew how to make money and I knew how to spend money. But yeah. I really didn't know <laughs> what happens in between, right? Like yeah. how do you actually grow your money. <laughs> Um so I, that kind of lack of knowledge actually made me much more curious as to what happens right in that investing stage or in that growth stage mm-hmm. and that curiosity drove me to learn about money so ultimately I earned my certified financial planner certificate my CFP which is kind of the equivalent to being a financial ninja. And uh, then I got my (laughs) master's of science in personal financial planning because I really wanted to peel back the layers of the onion, if you will, Mm -hmm. and peer behind, you know, like what actually happens to your money once you earn it and before you spend it. Sure. So that was kind of like my intro to finance. But then as I grew right in my career, which was a financial planner, Mm -hmm. I realized that um, there is probably a pretty big need in the community for having a financial planning or a financial literacy background, even if it's just the basics. So uh, I ended up partnering with my local uh, community foundation and co-founded this nonprofit that both you uh, talked about. And this local nonprofit that I started, it really just focuses on helping young professionals and millennials specifically increase their financial literacy, their basic financial literacy skills. And you know the people that I mentor, they are extremely intelligent and bright across so many different industries. but the one thing that I noticed they all had in common, was kind of, you know, lacking that financial literacy skill. So that was kind of the start to the nonprofit which I started about 3 years ago. Okay. And then that kind of flow it flowed into me starting the Millennial Money Woman. And um, you know, that has been such a fantastic journey as it relates to the entrepreneurial experience obviously, and really just knowing that someone is reading, you know, my blog articles and the information I'm providing and hopefully I'm making a positive impact on their financial lives. And, you know, that's what I'd love to share with your audience, kind of, you know, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, um, obviously also talking about the nonprofit and then, you know, kind of diving into the depths of how the pandemic, how COVID actually was the propeller kind of the impetus if you will to not only having me start my business but also others starting their own businesses
0: yeah and there there's a lot that we can cover here and so we're going to dive right in and kind of just just jumpstart this episode. So, you know, you've talked about some of your experiences with getting started up, and I'd like you to to share some of the some of the things that you know. Like, if I were to just pin you down and say, okay, I want to know the top one, two, or three things that you wish you could tell every entrepreneur who's getting ready to start a business like these are these are the words of wisdom that they just need to know right off the bat where would you start them what would you tell them that they need to know and they need to understand
2: definitely um the top three things i think that i wish i knew right when i started my business was one that it is not a smooth ride right like you want to think of success as linear But the fact is, as an entrepreneur, there is no such thing as linear. It's going to go in upside down loops and really, really deep drops. It's going to go in plateaus. And then, you know, ultimately, if you look at it from a longer term perspective, okay, you'll see that slight incline. But if you think you're going to get from point A to point B, point B being that success point, you are very, very mistaken. And, you know, I think that's part of the benefit, though, of being an entrepreneur, because you kind of get to experience the ups and the downs. And I think the downs really help you appreciate the ups later in your life. Um, So I wouldn't necessarily consider, you know, those major gaps in possibly profitability, for example, as a negative, but it's just something that's part of the journey. Mm -hmm. And as an entrepreneur, I think you really get to appreciate the journey itself and not so much the destination.
0: Sure. Yeah.
2: The second thing, I, I, I kind of wish I realized this earlier, quite frankly, is that there are going to be so many naysayers out there. I mean, I think, quite frankly, the reason why there are so many people that say no to you or that say that you're not going to make it, that your business is going to fail or your idea isn't going to be fruitful is because, you know, a couple of factors. One, they could possibly be jealous Two, they wish they were you and had the ability and the risk to actually drop their salary jobs and start a business oh, on their own.
0: That, and there's so much to that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's scary territory. It's a big deal. Not everybody's ready for that.
2: <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. People really aren't ready for that. And I think that as you start your mental preparation and your journey as an entrepreneur, You really do have to get ready for those no's because there will be many, many no's, but it really all takes that – it just takes one yes to make you successful and make you go on your journey. Mm -hmm. In the end, it's all about self-motivation and focusing on your long-term goals. Right. So as an entrepreneur, for example, what I ended up doing when I started my business, I actually physically wrote down my top three goals that I wanted in the short term. Okay. A, I, I wrote down what my um, goal in terms of writing my blog articles, how many blog articles will I be writing each week? B, I wrote down how much traffic I wanted and what I was going to do to get that traffic to my blog. And C, I wrote down what my profitability or what I wanted to earn in, you know, let's say six to eight months within my blog. Granted, I was very realistic in my expectations. And I think that's another thing, right? You want to be very realistic. You don't want to overshoot because if you don't actually hit your goals, you know, you might start doubting yourself. You always want to remain realistic. Okay. But by-
0: Now I'm going to pause you for a second because when people are talking and you're mentioning your blog, and I feel like we did an injustice of skipping over this too quickly. We introduced the millennial money woman, but Mm -hmm. where do people find you? Where do they read your blog? Because I think that as our listeners are getting into this, they're going to want to get on this blog, and so will you. Will you? I'm going to interject that in. Let them know where the blog is is going to be located, and then I want to get back to. How successful were you on pegging those realistic goals?
2: Definitely. Um, so you can always find me on the millennialmoneywoman.com. So that is my website name and there is on one of the tabs, at, right at the top, you'll see blog. And in that blog, I discuss you know anything that you can do to make money, to save money or to get out of debt. Um, if you're a Twitter user, you can always find me on Twitter with uh, my handle at the underscore MMW. And if you prefer Pinterest, it's gonna be the Millennial Money Woman.
1: And and I have to say really quick, I was exquisitely impressed with your Pinterest page. I I jumped on and checked it out and I was like, holy cow, this is beautiful. (laughs) And it is so organized, I loved it. I
0: I think the correct terminology was we were exquisitely um, uh, shamed with how- Uh, uh, Yeah. (laughs) how much better it looked than anything we put out there for
1: sure
2: well thank you for your kind words I appreciate it
1: (laughs) well if you're if you're a Pinterest user and you're listening to this jump on and check it out it is immaculate you'll love it okay so uh, we, we we interrupted you
0: but let's go back to you were doing your goals how successful were you in in pegging that because you know, I've told businesses, "Hey, you got to have the end in mind. You got to put some goals down. You got to know what you're wanting." And I find that they have a hard time. You know, they're they're all over the board with this, and it almost becomes a fruitless activity because they don't have some of the key ingredients that they need to have to make that goal planning process, that vision process, work for them. And this seems like an area where you excel. So, how did you do? And what can you recommend for others?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, to be very honest, the first—I mean, I just bombed my goals. Right? I did. Okay, I so everyone's
0: <laughs> human. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I absolutely failed my goals. But the first time, I was—that's why I said in the beginning. You know, try to. Be realistic with your expectations. I was not realistic with my expectations.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. Even though I thought I would be, right? I mean, I I did my research. I figured I was going to hit this many viewers on my website um, in three months. And to be very honest, I completely underestimated the power of Google and also the power of social media. And instead, I put my effort into just writing my blog posts. So I realized, okay, you know, I underestimated my goal. I didn't do very well. I completely bombed it. What am I going to do to A, redo my goals for the next three months and B, actually make them realistic and catch them, actually achieve them. So that's when I really started to redo and pivot my strategy to accomplish those goals. And that really included not only working on my blogs, but For example, focusing on SEO content, focusing on social media. So as you suggested, right, the Pinterest, I really focused on the Pinterest algorithm. I read more about the Twitter algorithm, et cetera. So, you know, I think everyone is going to kind of have those downs and feel like, oh my gosh, I completely bombed my goals the first time around. But you need to figure out why you bombed them and then pivot your strategy so you can recollect yourself and achieve your future goals.
1: I feel like you touched on several really big things right there. Uh, and I just want to jump back really quick, if I may, to uh, something that I think is really, really important. Um, because, you know, we, we say often that it, it kind of takes a special breed to be successful and, and jump into entrepreneurship uh, or entrepreneurialism. You have to be a little bit crazy, right? But. <laughs> Um, I think you just called our guest crazy. I think that <laughs> applies to all of our listeners as well, right? <laughs> but it, it, in all honesty, like what you said, I I loved it so much because um, all too often you see people jump into entrepreneurship and then they they see their goals fail, whatever their goal to- goals are or timelines that they have set. They see those fail, but then they just lean into them harder. They push into them harder, and they don't evaluate why um why they failed or what that why there wasn't success there and they don't try to pivot either and so it's they're just leaning into this something that's that's not working and ultimately whether that's you know three months or three years or 20 years they just end up giving up and they've left this just kind of a failed attempt really in shambles and like, well, it didn't work. And they walk away from it. And I think that's such a shame. So I love the fact that you bring that up. Like you have to evaluate it. You have to look at it. Setting goals, yeah, it's important. Being realistic absolutely is important, but also taking the time to evaluate that and being honest with yourself and pivoting where you need to pivot. Like those are great things. I love that that's part of your process.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, it was it wasn't easy. I mean, I'm going to be honest, and it still isn't easy. Yeah, you know, but it's I guess it's really just the journey, and I think you know, as you learn a little bit more about the entrepreneurial mindset, like what actually makes entrepreneurs like you know Elon Musk or some of those other big names out there. Why are they so successful when, for example, again, Elon, I think he lived off of hot dogs and oranges in the beginning, like, (laughs) how how are they able to become so successful? And, you know, I think part of that, like you said, kind of has to do with resilience, right? So they fail forward, even though there is maybe a missed opportunity or something that they completely bombed at and failed miserably, you know, they pick up the pieces, they analyze what they did wrong, what they could have done better and then they slowly grow. They make small incremental changes for the better.
0: Now, okay, so this is something that I really want to have you touch on. And the reason I want to have you touch on it is because we lack expertise in this. How has it been trying to be resilient as a female entrepreneur? Do you feel like that changes the dynamic of entrepreneurship, you know, for for those who are trying to get started is it, is it really true that it's more difficult to be a female entrepreneur, or is that just kind of this, you know, this cliche that people say, like, from, from someone who's actually there doing it, what's, what are some of the differences that you have experienced with female entrepreneurship?
2: That's a great question, Ryan. So I think that one of the things that is really difficult for females, at least in entrepreneurship, You know, taking for myself, it's just that uncertainty factor and that doubt factor. I think a lot of times, females, um, especially myself, right, we're when we see failure, we really get down on ourselves. Like, what did I do wrong? I'm a failure. It's not the outside lying circumstance that possibly was the failure, it's me that's the failure. And so they really internalize it, right? And I think the fact that they truly internalize this this sense of, you know, I guess regret and um, possibly letting others down, such as their family, could potentially lead them to not uh, extracting the maximum out of themselves and the business. Now, that being said, though... Uh, Female entrepreneurship really has increased by three thousand percent since 1972, Uh, and it's yeah. (laughs) I I knew it was a big
0: number. I didn't realize it was that big.
2: It's staggering, and you know, female entrepreneurs own every four out of ten businesses in America. So they have definitely, you know, obviously, yeah. It's it surprised me too when I saw these statistics. But um, obviously, they've taken a huge turn. They've made a huge U-turn. And now they're going for the better. But I think that, again, that self-doubt and the fact also uh, that they have to spend a little bit more time dedicated to the family. I think on average, females spend about six plus hours doing household chores, chores and about three plus hours doing child care um, duties that also filters into taking away time from their business. So Mm -hmm. all of these little external factors, right, they kind of play into why possibly some females might not excel as much as males in entrepreneurship. But I think down the road, the fact that females get that flexibility by being their own boss um, is is a huge, huge factor why so many are flocking to running their own business. I read the statistic actually where 74% of females say that flexibility is more important than earning money. And that actually really shocked me.
0: <laughs> but you know, and that's a, a trend not only in females, but I've seen that in, you know, society as, in, in, as a whole, where people are understanding the the flexibility. You know, the, uh, the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, just totally exploded because it's this whole idea that you do not have to be a slave to you know this this job that you can have a life you can have flexibility and and so I I think that's fascinating uh, but I can see where you're saying that to the female population who typically have uh, some of these responsibilities outside of their business that they need to take care of you know I mean I picture with my own kids their schedule is, is demanding on their terms and you know, you can't just automatically say, oh, well, you know, I can help you once I'm off the clock. It's like, no, they, you know, they've, they've got soccer and wrestling and yeah. who knows music. I mean, all on right the,
1: during the middle of the
0: workday. Yeah. Right, and so so that, that that's really interesting.
2: You make a great point. The fact that the world really is changing now with COVID, right? Especially where mm-hmm. a lot more businesses and jobs are working from home, so that added flexibility really does promote uh, an entrepreneurial sense between both men and women.
0: Sure. Yeah. And now your business uh, is very much uh, digital. And yes. so COVID has, has, been, has been different. Uh, we've noticed it with our listenership. There was a, a clear change in trend of listeners once the pandemic really started to uh, emerge. Uh, what, what have you experienced or what things have you noticed? Uh, and maybe not necessarily with your own business, but just in general, what, what things can you share with entrepreneurs uh, about dealing with the situation we're in?
2: I mean, I think COVID was such a great example for those that do have that entrepreneurial mindset and that seed, right? They they knew they wanted to start a business, but maybe they were a little indecisive and didn't know when. Well, I think COVID really was that impetus, that turning point. And I think about 96% of new entrepreneurs say that the pandemic itself was the motivating factor for them to start their business. Oh, and that's interesting. When I, I mean, yeah, when I read that, I was, I was astonished. I mean, it's just, it just shows that we were all waiting for some type of opportunity that would present itself to us to literally take the bull by the horns and create our own opportunity out of that. Um, I think about four, three out of four small business founders were actually owners that were employed before the pandemic. And some of those people lost their jobs. And instead of mm-hmm. you know muttering or crying or being depressed, they took the situation in their own hands. And now they are small business owners and they're running their own company, which is just amazing.
1: Yeah. People are pulling themselves up by their bootstraps rather than waiting around for the next handout or, or what have you.
2: That's right. And, you know, that's why I think a lot of businesses that started during the COVID crisis were or are actually going to exemplify those businesses that will stay along for the long run. Those are the ones where, you know, the business owners, they're extremely motivated to do something that they wanted to do pre-COVID. And now they have the opportunity and they're going to keep running with this, right? They're going to keep running past COVID. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think in a lot of cases, there's, I've seen people that have these, what, what we like to call golden handcuffs that it's like, they have this great <laughs> paying job, you know, they've got this cush lifestyle and, you know, it's like, man, I really want to do this entrepreneurial venture, but I can't take that time off or I, you know, it's not can't, it's, I'm not willing to, but this comfort aside for this thing that may or may not work ultimately, mm-hmm. right? And so then you have something come in like COVID and completely mixes that up and brings in this whole new element of uncertainty or, you know, whether that's you've lost your job or you may lose your job or you're, you're getting cut on hours or what have you. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, this risk compared to that risk, there's there's not such a great discrepancy anymore. And so all of a sudden it's this opportunity that, is available to us now without having to sacrifice the comfort ultimately.
2: That's exactly right. You know, I had a I had a really, really good friend of mine, business partner too. Um, she ran or sh- she was employed, salaried before um, by a major university to be uh, a, a philanthropy, like a, a donor specialist, right? Oh, so yeah. She got uh-huh. those donors, donors coming to the university and yeah. she made quite a good amount of money, right? Those oh, golden yeah, handcuffs and she just you bring in money always,
1: and you make a lot of money.
2: That's exactly right. Yeah. But she at some point told me, you know, she's just had it. She just doesn't want to keep doing this because she's traveling, I don't know, 80 hours a week, she's away from her family, right? She's completely tired because she has to do overtime, etc. Yeah. And COVID presented itself and she actually decided to leave her job and now she runs her own consulting company. And she's making more money nice. than she yeah. did before. It's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So we we're we're getting to uh, about the end here. And I I honestly, first off, I do want to say how, how much it's been enjoyable to just get your insight. We've covered a lot of topics and I wish that we could have gone in depth. I mean, any one of those topics we could have done a full episode on. Yeah. But before we wrap up, I, I am gonna ask this final uh, kind of thought uh, or insight from you and that is Let's jump back to what you do and your business. So you've got your nonprofit that you're engaged in. you've got the uh, business that you own, and you've got your expertise in helping people with their their money. So kind of kind of wrap it up with, okay, what if people, you know, if, if they're interested in connecting with you, if they want to learn more, is there something critical about what you do that we haven't had a chance to touch on? Uh, just give us some, some final thoughts here about you and what you do so that any of our listeners who are really into what you're talking about can have that next step or engagement or whatever it is that they want to do the follow-up with you. Definitely.
2: Definitely. So I think, as you all know, I really enjoy finance. And finance is an essential topic and not just your personal life, but it also relates to your business life, especially if you're considering to be an entrepreneur, for example. So partly on my website, um, I am able to provide some of those resources, such as developing a specific budgeting template. For example, if you start running your business, how would you actually track your expenses and your income? And I go into that in, in really good depth. And I really focus on developing that mindset that sticks to consistently focusing on your income and your expenses and then basically growing your business that way. The second aspect relates more to a personal uh, topic. And that is more so just starting with investing, right? So I think a lot of people... Um, might neglect the fact that they could be investors and, without having to be day traders necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I, I just want to make sure I also leave your audience with the fact that you know investing is never too late to start. You can always start today um, and even if it's $5 a day. Start now and consider it for the long term. It's going to help your personal goals as well as your business goals.
0: Well, and a lot of entrepreneurs, they uh, oftentimes give up the comfort of like a retirement fund or those types of, uh, you know, aspects. And so I think it's smart to have that. As an entrepreneur uh, rather than just solely focusing on the money you're making today but also building that portfolio that protects you when your business you know has its ups and downs and and different things like that so
1: i i agree with you
2: that's exactly right You, you literally said it absolutely
1: thank you so much fiona for coming on our podcast with us we honestly have loved having you like ryan said there have been a myriad of topics that we've covered that we could go into full episodes on. There's some deep, deep content here. Um, So thank you again. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So again, for all of our listeners, as you're going through this episode, please, please, please jump on, check out Fiona's content. It's great content. If you want to go into any type of financial topic, she's got a ton of resources, whether that's on her Pinterest page, whether that's on her website, through her blog, or on her Twitter, that's at the underscore MMW. Um, Great, great financial resource. So Fiona, the Millennial Money Woman, thank you so much again. And to all of our listeners, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Ciao. Ciao.